Welcome to Below the Fold, the most honest and raw digital marketing podcast around. It's good to be back. Coming back with a bang. I might be hiring someone to speak for me. So you think you're an SEO ninja, eh? That was just my little fantasy in the back of my head. Here's the tip. Oh, I know the tip. Are you the one who told me the tip? I need you to come up with 50 business ideas. I'll be back in two hours. I think I need a new title. Hello and welcome to another episode of Below the Fold. This show is for marketers, startups, and anyone else wanting to know the ins and outs, the ups and downs of digital marketing. My name is Jacob Perry. I'm joined by Brandon Hassler and Derek Turley. And then this week in our guest chair, we have the Honorable Mayor John Curtis. Hello, gentlemen. Great to be here. Yeah, thank you for coming. We're going to open up with current events. I actually do have a really good story that's, um, that's pertinent to the local scene that I wanted to bring up, and it has to do with up there, the traffic situation that's happening in Lehigh. As you come down through Point of the Mountain towards Thanksgiving Point, kind of, uh, there's been a lot of talk about uh, improvements to the traffic down there. There's actually, there was a, there was a, a bond that was approved for construction to start in 2020, and uh, people were upset that that was too far away. So 97 Floor actually was hired to do an awareness campaign to see if we couldn't get that timeline moved up to 2018, so starting next year. And uh, this bill was passed just last week. I wanted, I wanted to take just a couple minutes to go through the campaign that they did because they did not have a lot of time. They were approached six weeks ago. So six weeks ago, 97 Floor was approached by a company who wanted to expand the freeway over in Lehigh, and, and uh, they basically said, listen, you've got two weeks to produce the content and then four weeks to promote it. And the results were, were pretty awesome. So uh, what happened was they, they kind of did kind of a grassroots thing. They went beyond the digital marketing, which is atypical of a digital marketing agency. They, they printed flyers and went door-to-door to businesses and solicited those business owners to pass the news among their employees. And basically their goal was to, it was threefold. So the goal, goal number one was to get thousands of emails sent to their representative to have them represent them on the, uh, the Congress floor. The second goal was to authorize half a billion dollars in bonds. And then the third uh, goal was to move up the construction time from 2020 to 2018. The, the end result was they had almost 2,000 emails sent to local representatives. They had twice the amount of money approved in bonds. So they got a billion-dollar bond, and they got their timeline approved uh, in 2018. If you're, if you're local here to Utah, you probably have seen some of those social campaigns that have been going on. They, did, they pushed really hard on Facebook, and it succeeded. And it's, it's, it's a huge, huge, huge success, not just for Lehigh and the, the residents and, and businesses that work at the point of the mountain, but for 90 Cent Floor for, one, having six weeks to accomplish this amazing task of getting this approved and raising awareness but I, one of my favorite things is, is the fact that the, this digital marketing agency who typically excels in the computer tech industry actually left their offices and knocked on doors. <clears throat> That's a rare sight. So, so Mayor, as, as you know, being, being here in Provo and part of Utah County, I imagine, I, I don't know, is there like a mayor's club where you like talk and, uh, you know, like meet up with uh, the, the mayor of Lehigh and the mayor of PG? And We do. We have a monthly meeting together. We call it COG, Council of Governments. Oh, is that true? Yeah. And is this something, is this like, like how, is this something you hear about? Like, how, was there any involvement whatsoever from Provo? So the, actually, this is the first time I've heard about the campaign. Um, and I'm finding it uh, really interesting because 
What's interesting to me about it is I keep thinking we've got to move away from the day where we do door-to-day door flyers yeah. and use all of these <laughs> these tools yeah. uh, that are new, and we haven't figured out how to use all these tools. And so it's really interesting to me that this was a component of, of their efforts. And um, I'd like at some point I'd like to better understand why they felt like, because um, if you think about the door-to-door component, the amount of time it takes uh, to, to walk out your door, even if you're in a, a building where you're going down only one floor and, and putting up flyers, you're still uh, compared to sending out an email, even making a phone call. And so I've always uh, thought that we were we were going to lose the day when we did uh, door-to-door flyers. And so that's interesting to me. You know, it's funny because people say that about email too. Right. But uh, email yeah. is, is still one of the most powerful uh, forms of communication there are. Not if you want to talk to my 18-year-old daughter. Is that true? It's Snapchat. <laughs> Uh, Snapchat. Yeah. Are you on Snapchat, man? Well, of course. You, you are? You don't follow me on Snapchat? Uh, if I were on <laughs> Wait a minute. If, you're not on Snapchat, I'm not are on you? Snapchat. Oh I'm my not. gosh. I promise. What kind of conversation were... can this be? <laughs> what are you on actively? Can, Instagram? Can I just say that uh, the, the Provo mayor just shamed me? Uh, <laughs> yes. On my own on my and own he show. Did it well. You just got one up. <laughs> uh, I I might get Snapchat now. Let me tell you why I have Snapchat and you don't. Okay. It is the best tool on the planet to follow grandkids. And you have no grandkids. I have grandkids. I do not have grandkids. So (laughs) that is why I have Snapchat. Yeah. No, it's a good tool, though. I mean, it to to build voter confidence. He's in the know. That's right. Fifteen-year-old girls could say, or eighteen, or twenty-four, or thirty could say, "Hey, there's the message. Here's what he stands for." Great. Yeah. Well, I love it. It doesn't get any better for a politician, right? It disappears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. true. No. Well, I mean, with his approval rating, you can't argue with his method. So. Okay, so so last thing I'll say about that campaign is that you can go to flippingtraffic.com for all the details. You can watch the video. It's very well executed uh, and and uh, props to 90 Cent Floor for their execution there. Have you seen the video? This no, campaign? I, and I'd like to, but if, if, you don't, if you don't mind, let me just throw in one comment before yeah. we leave this. Um, I keep watching and waiting for um, the politician that figures out the new media yeah, um, to get elected. Um, and this, this is interesting to me because this is really as first, as, as close as I've seen somebody, not that, you know, not a Donald Trump, I can tweet everybody and, and, and things like that, but somebody who says, instead of spending a half million dollars on TV ads, I'm going to spend 30000 on YouTube. And um, I actually think that when that finally happens, you'll change politics. Uh, Yeah. And honestly, I think that uh, we're heading that way already, right? People like especially with Trump, who is dominating Twitter and people are recognizing the power of social media in politics. I think that I think it's headed in that direction. So, Brandon, I want to kick things over to you. I know that you have uh, you have uh, specific questions about social media and um, and Provo's use of social media. Uh, I kind of want to start there because that's kind of the foundation. And there are a lot of questions about how much social media or digital played a part in your election. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that goes along like with the comment you made. Like, I feel like we're talking to the politician who has figured out at least to some degree uh, how to utilize uh, new media, just because I, I, I guarantee you, if I talk to any of my friends from other cities and I asked, who's the mayor of your city? Most people would not know. Do you know who the mayor of Lehigh is? Like the name? No. Where are you from? American Fork. You know the mayor? I know the mayor of Provo. 
Okay. <laughs> That's the thing. And, and uh, I mean, outside of Provo, I mean, I guess you, a lot of people know the uh, the mayor of Salt Lake just because it's the biggest city. I remember it was Ralph Becker. Who's the one now? It's a woman she was, now. Uh, recently. Jackie. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So, yeah, everyone, like a lot of people will say, I know John Curtis. Is that the mayor? Like, oh, he's the Provo mayor. And I think it's because of social media. Um, and if if the numbers are right, it seems like locally, just anywhere in the country, turnout numbers are very low compared to how they should be. And so I think the politicians that do utilize social media have a huge leg up because in some races, not necessarily because it's a mayor or whatnot, but in smaller races, it could come down to like 50 or 80 votes. And that could be the difference maker if you are active. So I, I think that you have done a really good job of figuring that out. I'm where I'm wondering is, was that like just kind of natural for you or is that a decision of you kind of recognized, okay, this is something that could be huge. Let's utilize it. All right. So let's the, let the audience in on something they can't tell. From, <laughs> I'm 56 years old. Hmm. And uh, so there is no such thing as social media coming natural <laughs> to, to a six-year-old man. But I'll just give you a, a short couple of examples. Um, during my first campaign, which was uh, eight years ago, my campaign manager said, you got to get on Facebook. That night I went home, opened a Facebook account, and came back the next day and said, you won't believe this. I've got six friends. <laughs> <laughs> and so... During my initial campaign, I, I was—I I didn't understand social media at all. I didn't understand Facebook. Um, but I had a daughter that blogged. Uh, she was a design blogger. And I watched this where she would have 10,000 views a day. And she had a very successful design blog. And I just knew instantly that this had to be part of politics, that this tool where you can reach out and touch people for very little and, and, and almost no money is something that had to be duplicated. So I went uh, to Blogspot, opened up an account, and I started blogging. And I designed the blog myself. I'm not a designer. And I put these pictures up, and I started blogging about going to a school because I'd been to a school. And I, and I very quickly figured out if I went to an event and took pictures of kids, that I could drive people to my blog by parents uh, wanting to see their kids on my blog. And there were many days when I would brag to my staff that we had 10 views, um, 11 views. And that's how I got into this. And then um, the first year I was mayor in the July 4th parade, um, in the parade, four different people shouted out, I love your blog. <laughs> and I went back to the office and I said, it's working. See, <laughs> it's working. And that was what finally engaged us as a team to say, well, no, this is something here. And that's where it all started. Okay. Interesting. Until just recently. About a week ago. About a week ago that you handed the reins over. From... It was it was painful. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> So I actually I read that article and I have I, I do have questions about that because first of all was that considered kind of going rogue having this this uh, this asset outside of the city? Uh, so the reason it was done that way is because nobody I won't say nobody but it was hard to get people to believe in it. So therefore to spend city money on it um, was a big ask, even though it was relatively little amount of money. And so I designed it. I, I did it on my own time at home. Um, I didn't. I also didn't want anybody to tell me um, what I could say and what I couldn't say. And one of the major problems we're going to have with the new mayor bringing this in-house is that it is now what we call city speech and governed by what the city um, can have said and can't have said. And I've enjoyed this this free pass for seven years mm-hmm. uh, to be able to say whatever I wanted, and nobody could tell me that I couldn't do that, and nobody could tell me you can't delete that comment. 
and I would say, it's my blog. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, the comment's offensive. I'm deleting it. Yeah. And um, we've rarely deleted. I don't want to make, uh, they give you the impression that we, you know, that I, that I. There's, there's a lot of censorship There's going a lot of censorship. <laughs> but, you know, if there's a comment that is um, offensive or rude and, and really doesn't have anything to do with the conversation, then I have never, you know, worried about that. And um, so there has been something that will be lost um, by bringing it in-house. Yeah. Uh, and then the flip side of that is, you know, in an instant, all of that data could be lost. Um, all, you know, if somebody uh, with larger resources than, than what I have, especially when I'm gone, isn't watching that and taking care of it. So uh, the website crashed. Is that right? It, um, I wouldn't say it crashed. It reached a, a plateau. It was with, uh, it was with a, a hoster who said, no, you can't have that many comments. Mm-hmm. We're locking you out. And um, in that, other words, you're getting too popular. We can't yeah. handle this. Yeah, it was something I ne- right. Obviously, when we started this thing, I never even comprehended that, and so that forced us into a decision of, well, is it time to bring this into the city server where we don't have to worry about that? Yeah. So who is uh, Don Schellenberger? <laughs> Don is uh, in our IT department. Oh, he is. Yeah. Okay. So he's the one now who's uh, oh, th- who's the registrant for, for that for, domain. Yeah. Yeah. Painful. <laughs> um. Okay, so uh, I'm going to move on a little bit okay. and talk about uh, Provo as kind of a tech hub. Yeah. Um, you are in competition with other parts of Utah, right? Like Lehigh and even Salt Lake. Um, but uh, I, I guess what, what I'm getting at is what, first of all, if you have comments on that, and second of all, what is Provo doing to maintain yeah. um, or attract tech businesses um, and, and and growth in that way? So I have some really strong feelings on this. Um think about this for a moment. Um, If you're a resident of Utah County anywhere, do you care where a company locates between our neighboring cities, between American Fork and Lehigh or between Provo and Orem? Only if I work there. Yeah, and and that's (laughs) right. And so um, one of our realities is um, as we're growing, we're far more a county um, than we are individual cities. And sometimes we get really worked up when a business from Provo um, moves to Lehigh. Like Ancestry? Yeah. like So Ancestry is a good uh, uh, good example. I don't know if you saw it, but I did a blog post on Ancestry. I did not see that. Yeah. And my, my comment was, why aren't we celebrating? Uh, because a, a, Provo, a, a company with Provo roots, one of our babies mm-hmm. has graduated. And they can no longer find exactly what they need in our city. And we need to be okay with that. And, and we need to celebrate the fact um, the same way I would celebrate my my child going off to medical school because they couldn't find the, the, the school they wanted here in state. I'm sorry they're leaving. Um, I wish they would stay, but dang, I'm happy uh, for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I view like an Ancestry.com is, you know what? My life, Provo's life is no different except for our ego slightly being bruised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Th- there's there's really no revenue that comes to us um, because it's it's an unfortunate thing the way the state revenue is set up. Yeah. There's no revenue that comes to a city. Um, and so my goal has been um, uh, several fold. One is to say, your business may move to, Le- to Lehigh, but your people want to live in Provo. Yeah. Um, right? We've got downtown Provo. We've got... Um, you know, we have a lifestyle and things that is unmatched. And uh, if I want to compete, really the best way for me to compete is to improve the quality of life in Provo so that so that people complain to their boss about driving 
uh, to Lehigh. That's exactly right. I was going to tell you. I was going to say, <laughs> if you want poor traffic, you move to you move to yeah. Lehigh. Yeah. So you know, re- the reality, and, and I love uh, Lehigh, and I love it's Burt Wilson, by the way. That's the mayor. Oh, I knew you would know. <laughs> well, yeah, they're, they're the same club. He's in the club. Right. The mayor had Phil in in America for it. But um, if 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 um, you know what, if you care about a, a cool place to go to lunch, um, you're 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 going to move your business to Provo. If you don't care, if you need the proximity to to the Salt Lake workforce, I can't compete against yeah. that. It's just ge- it's geography. And um, at the same time, I'm I'm really happy for those companies. Now you'll notice, without exception. When one of those large companies move, it's just a matter of weeks, maybe a couple of months um, before that they're replaced by another young startup in Provo. And what I want to own and, and, and be known for is Provo is the place to start a business. Yeah, There is no better place to start a business. And as fast as they can move away, we can grow another one that's equally as successful. And to me, that's what's cool. Now I want, I want to keep them and, and we work hard. We have a, a whole team dedicated to keeping them. So I don't want to, I don't want to, give the impression that, that it's all okay if they all move away. But the reality of it is uh, we'll be okay. Yeah. And and I want to focus on supporting that young tech startup um, who I can help. There's not a lot I can do for Ancestry.com. But when I go visit a, a young startup, I feel like a, a little bit of a superhero mm-hmm. and like I can really help them. Yeah. And that to me floats my bubble. So I work at Vivint Smart Home, which almost yep. shares a parking lot with Ancestry. Yeah. And now it's just an empty shell. Like yeah. it's totally empty, but I will say that the landscaping still is pristine. <laughs> so, so. Uh, so I'll, I'll make you a deal. 12 months from now, if there's not an amazing company in there, I'll come by your lunch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 12 months. I better put a reminder. Is that there. just for Jacob? Or the, the whole team. Okay. The whole team. <laughs> Holding you to it. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually got a, a question on that. No, comment. please, please. So um, first off, just uh, I think you've done an incredible job at – always complimenting your staff, building a great rapport within the city. People do know the name John Curtis, and so it's it's good to have you here because you've done a good job utilizing whatever the, the, the social media um, tools are or just how you've done what you've done. So kudos to thank you, you, thank you, Mayor. Um, within that question, though, the plans to keep Provo not necessarily at the, the forefront of the tech scene for big business like Ancestry, but you talked about a small startup, and there's been a lot because we're a it's a college um, community. We've got this mm-hmm. college city, right? And we've got UVU up the hill, and and there's a lot of uh, budding entrepreneurs. So when you say that you love to go into a, a small startup and and basically offer your help or influence or guidance, I'm I'm interested to see what is Provo doing because we have this transition. And I like what you said about the county. We have Lehigh that's going crazy, and Draper soon with all of mm-hmm. the prison moving and Silicon Slopes just doing what they're doing. Um, we're going to have this, you know, arm in arm relationship between two counties, right? But Provo is this nationally recognized city. Google Fiber coming in at the start of what you were doing and what you've achieved. I want to know um, what are you doing for the the young entrepreneurs, the small startups, the small businesses? Does Provo have resources? that help as a city because you mentioned a team dedicated i'm interested to see what we have as a city here that's helping um well yeah actually let's start there what resources do you have that's differentiating you from other cities or counties one of the reasons that's a great question is is sometimes a lot of small businesses don't know what to expect um and what they can ask so if they come asking for money 
there's not much I can do, right? The city is the wrong place to get funding. But if, they, if they're looking for um, somebody who can help facilitate uh, meeting um, um, like-minded people, uh, if they're looking for somebody who can help them promote their product, if they're looking for somebody who can um, give them a little encouragement, um, one of the things we've done that's been really successful has been uh, our Camp 4, the startup building, and our co-working space um, in, in that area. And, and if, if you're not familiar with it, right by our hub, uh, right by our uh, frontrunner station, there's a building that's called the Startup Building. And this is what people find so interesting. They assume the name comes from businesses that start up. Startup Candy Company was in that building, was one of the first candy companies in the United States, and the family's name was Startup. <laughs> <laughs> and so that has, no idea, that has now become a co-working space yeah. in, in Provo. And um, it's been so successful that our biggest problem is the businesses that um, that start there end up taking space there, leaving <laughs> far less co-working space for everybody else. Dev Mountain. Dev Mountain, yeah. <laughs> um, and and so um, that's been great. We started a program called Million Cups. And, and uh, if people aren't familiar with Million Cups, it's a Kauffman Institute program. Every Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock, we have two of our entrepreneurs do a presentation. The room fills with about 100 like-minded people who come to listen, to offer um, constructive criticism, to network. And uh, that, to me, is the perfect environment for us to create where 100 people can come together in one hour and, and meet people and hear ideas. And, and as, as you well know, it's that environment that, that spawns that creativity and ideas and things. So we view ourselves as a facilitator, um, as a cheerleader, um, and from time to time, hey, if it helps putting something on the blog or mm-hmm. uh, tweeting about it, I'm I'm happy to jump in and help do that. Brandon, don't you have experience with a million cups? <laughs> I did. I presented the, uh, I think December of 2015. Oh yeah, I presented there, and it was well worth it. Was it? It was great. So Good experience. A lot of the value is just in the because like the question they always ask is how can a million cups help you, and the value is just in hearing what the questions are. Yeah. So I kind of just presented on here. Here's what we're working on. Uh, here's what we've done. What are your questions? And then from those questions, you can really gauge, okay, there is a big trend of these types of questions. Maybe this is something we should adjust or whatnot. But yeah, I think I was, I'm, I always tell people like Provo is the best place in Utah, at least, um, if not the country to start a business just because the networking here is awesome. Random question that came into mind. I remember like, I think it was last season we talked about networking and like advice and whatnot. Yeah. You obviously do a lot of like speeches, presentations, and then I'm sure afterwards you get slammed with people who are almost like waiting in line to talk to you. And I'm sure you have the occasional person or or people who uh, just keep talking and and you can tell there's like 16 other people waiting to talk to you. What's your strategy? Because sometimes that happens to me where like I'll go give a marketing presentation and there's some people who just want to either come up and say, Nice work. Other people have a question. And then there's always those handful of people that just want to sit there and chat for three hours. How, how do you blow people off? Yeah. How do you kindly <laughs> blow people off and still stay popular? So I'll tell you a fundamental um, um, feeling that I have about politicians that I hate is when you get blown off. <laughs> and th- there's nothing worse to me than standing in a room and a politician shaking your hand, looking over your head or your shoulder for who the really important people are in the room Mm. that they need to move to. So I've made it a personal philosophy to talk to people as long as they want to talk to me. And um, it usually works itself out, right? The the, the people behind them are kind of 
the ones who self-regulate that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I find it rarely a conflict because of that. If I let them self-regulate and I say to myself, um, you know, in, in reality, it seems like they're there forever, but that's not more than three minutes, right? Or four minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I know for you where people flock to you and, and, and want to be around you and want your autograph, that's probably not as easy as it for me. <laughs> Yeah, but I just, I think that for person, I've been so offended uh, as I've seen that in politicians that have kind of just said, you know what, ah, I'm just going to, I'll, I'll out talk them. So he doesn't, in other words. Fair enough. So I'm a jerk, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that, well, I just always feel like, oh, like I feel bad for this person who's been waiting here forever so, and, and they might have something important because this person's just gone way off track. And you know what, I guess maybe I do have some techniques as I think about it. Cause what I love to do is I'll. I'll, I'll use my body language to broaden the circle to where that next person is actually in the circle and um, gradually bring mm-hmm. them into the conversation that I'm currently in. And a lot of times that will, will um, create resu- a natural yeah, transition. Yeah, exactly. So try that. I'll try that. Okay. Write that down. You owe him a consulting fee, by yeah. the way. Yeah. <laughs> Send me the invoice afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to bring up also um, within this realm, uh, because we have you and your position, and it's just a different world coming, you know, clashing, uh, not clashing, I'll, guess, I'll say marrying um, politics and and what you do with small business. Um, I was talking to a friend previously, uh, just right before the this podcast, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, he said, hey, John, is, uh, or Mayor, I'm sorry. Little uh, hey, come on, let's here. be a little bit more formal. J okay. dog, <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't taken me to lunch yet. I know, not yet. So he said, um, uh, incredible use of uh, social media. Like I said previously, in the running for being a lieutenant governor, we'll see how that run, how that turns out. Um, just a good name that comes up because he did awesome with uh, YouTube videos utilizing Facebook. So I was going to ask you, and this is, I, I don't want to be redundant, but you, you talked about how you started with the blog. Um, but specifically what came up um, was that you just utilized these resources um, to gain a 93% approval rating, which is incredible. So I'm not stroking your ego, not trying to gain Go ahead. Um, ground and br- or, or brownie <laughs> points, but... Um, out of that, did you have any measurement? Because we, the, being being a, a small business and marketing centric mm-hmm. and related here, were you able to measure your win, your to to be elected? Um, what those tools had as far as like, hey, we can say that we were able to spread our message with Facebook because this is relevant not only for politics, but I mean, you targeted Provo and and voters, and you tried to make sure you communicated the message and. I'm probably putting too much into this, but were you able to measure those efforts into your... Yes, we do watch the statistics very carefully. Um, Unfortunately, we don't have a lot to compare to other than our own track record, but we get really excited by numbers. And for instance, we did, uh, we've we've toyed with the state of the city. You know, if, if you ask people, how many of you have been to your city's state of the city? Nobody, right? Nobody pays attention to the state of the city. And so a couple of years, three or four years, I'd do state of the city, I'd do it in city chambers, and, you know, the council would come and 30 other people would come that come to everything and nobody would hear the message. So we started toying around with that using video and using YouTube. And one year we actually did the state of, uh, the, state of the city, 100 percent 
online social media tools, hmm. no live audience. And um, it, was, it was really cool. And um, all of a sudden we're saying, wait a minute, we just had a thousand people watch State of the City live. And a week later, we've had 7,000 people watch State of the City. 30 bodies in a room listening when nobody cares to, to thousands of people watching online. So those numbers really get us excited. So blog posts, we're able to see analytics and, and uh, it's always very interesting to see which blog posts um, people care about. I'll, I'll write one and I'll say, oh, this is going to be amazing. And, you know, you get this <laughs> tiny, tiny little handful of people. And then we'll casually write one, not even thinking twice about it, and it explodes. Yeah. And uh, and, and we watch, we, we know that by numbers. And uh, Facebook, we watch all those numbers, all of our social media. We're very tied into numbers. So I'm doing a time check. We have about five to eight minutes. Oh, it's been so fun. Yeah, I know. Uh, and then uh, and then we'll we'll let uh, Mayor John Curtis uh, go on his way. Did you have anything else you wanted to cover there, Derek? Yeah, it was well. I was going to go over. Uh, there was one. So I was um, part of helped with a little bit the big outdoor expo. Yeah. And so with that, I was going to ask a pressing question because I know that that went to UVU. Um, I like what you said earlier, by the way, about we're a county. But with that, I'm not involved at all anymore. But why did they leave Provo and, and how are we? Ut- well, why did they leave Provo? Let's start so there. Great question. Um, this, this is a good example of being okay with things. If um, the convention center where they were at was just not designed for thousands of visitors. We don't have parking for thousands of people downtown. They do at UVU. Yeah. So this is one where we have to say, you know what, it is actually better for the expo uh, to be at UVU because all I'm going to do is make my businesses mad, um, the, the attendees mad, um, because it doesn't have thousands of parking spaces. This is the convention center was built for businesses coming from out of town, staying in hotels, and, and using that facility. It does double, and, and we use it for expos and things like that. But when an expo comes and said, as they did in this case, you know, we've got to have thousands of more parking spaces, we have to say, mm, I'll, I'll come see you in Orem um, and, and, and be okay about it. The cops probably aren't happy with having to direct traffic at that point either, right? Well, they, as a matter of fact, in order for this to work, they had to close down First North. Well, that's a big deal and um, comes with a cost. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you weigh those things carefully and and, uh, and you make decisions. Mayor Curtis has won me over. <laughs> I'm a fan. I was a little <laughs> a little mad about the expo with parking because I was like, come on, two years. We're, let's do, go for the third. But logic, sound logic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> Thanks, Derek. Yeah. Brandon, do you have any last words? Um, I guess so. Uh, Last question for me, at least. So when it comes to marketing, online communication, the mayor, you're, I know you're not running. When is the next election? Is that this November? Is that? It is this November. So this November we get, or Provo gets a new mayor. Um, What is your biggest piece of advice in terms of utilizing online communication marketing? If you had to give them one from all the things that you've learned, like, oh, this did not work for us. This worked really well. What's the biggest piece of advice you'd give to them? Can I give them a couple? Sure. Um, Take a couple. Why not? (laughs) Um, Most politicians fail at social media because they're not willing to let the wall down. They need the wall between themselves and people. um, Are you talking about kind of that vulnerability? The vulnerability. Exactly. 
we've learned, I've learned that the, the key to success is letting the wall down. If you say to somebody, I'm perfect, um, they will find your flaws. Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. If you say to somebody, I am so flawed, look at me. Um, I'll let you into my personal life. I'll let you see the silly things that happen to me. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take a picture of them. And before you find out, you're going to see it on my blog. Um, and and um, the people are far more forgiving. And it's also interesting, right? How interesting is it for me to go back and post about what happened at city council meeting? Nobody cares, right? But for me to go back and say, well, you know, at city council meeting, um, I dropped my plate on the floor and, and embarrassed myself in front. Now that's now they're paying attention and, and listening. So I think the advice is uh, be willing to let your guard down. And then the second piece of advice, and I think this goes outside of politics, is I see people all the time start a social media channel and they don't, they're not committed to an investment. And unless you're putting content on it on a regular basis that is relevant, don't even try. Um, because you, and, and so I, the number of Facebook accounts that cities have and blogs and things that the city has that nobody cares about, I mean, it's legion, right? And, and unless you're willing to put time and energy into that, um, it's not going to be successful. Fair enough. So I just have two last things. The first one, uh, you, um, I don't, it has, it's not that recent, but uh, there was a YouTube video that came out where you're running around Provo. Yeah. Uh, do you remember what that, that video is called? Um, that was actually our state of, one of our State of the City oh, videos. Yes. And we used that to run past things that we had accomplished that year. So the rec center was on there, Rock Canyon was on there, and then we put in subtitles for rankings that we had had. And that was the beginning of, um, I believe it would be the 2014 State of the City, if I remember correctly. Oh, so it, it actually has been a few years. It's been a couple of years, yeah. But but still, it's fresh in my mind. Yeah. Uh, Derek was asking about it uh, before we came on, and I was like, oh, I totally remember that, which is the stickiness of uh, social media, exactly. especially when you couple that with politics, which typically don't mesh well together. Yeah. Um, anyway, so look that up. The last thing I'll ask, um, did you know you had a Wikipedia page? Yeah, and I say it that way because I think it's, <laughs> I feel like that's the one area where we've failed. Um, Why is that? Because we have not, we've tried to say, okay, well, this is, we need to control the content and things like that on yeah. there. And um, we just haven't been successful at that. Okay, I'm just so what's go, it what's it say about oh, I, about Wikipedia? I, I was the the reason I bring it up is uh, I, I wanted I wanted to know one are you the one who chose the picture uh, no, for Wikipedia? No. no. Okay, I'm going to go in there and just kind of change that. Maybe we'll take a quick picture after the show and, and <laughs> what, upload what's, that. What's the picture? Oh no, it's a good it's a great picture. Here, let me I'll pull it up here for you. Uh, oh yeah, one hand in the pocket, very classy. Yeah, in downtown Provo. Actually, not downtown. <laughs> that is the middle of the street. That the University that, Avenue. That's right. I had to stop traffic for that photo there. <laughs> uh, Mayor, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, it's It's been not just uh, educational and informative, but fun as well. Uh, we knew we'd have fun with you. If you're listening now, uh, and if, it, if, this, if this show and this podcast has been beneficial to you, please leave a review uh, and a rating. Uh, if you want to reach out, you can contact us via email at inbound at belowthefold.io. Alternatively, we are also found on Twitter, and our handle is at belowthefold.io. Uh, you can uh, reach out uh, for topic ideas if you are um, interested in becoming a guest. Uh, we're happy to entertain those uh, inquiries. Next week uh, is a bye week. We will not be uh, recording next week. 
but we'll be back the following week uh, with an amazing guest, Scott Schwab. <laughs> Scott Schwab with Bottega University, part of Million Cups. Going to be a good guest. Doing it. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. So that's in two weeks. You can look for that uh, in a couple weeks. And until then, we'll catch you below the fold. <laughs>